Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome into the drive here on 93.9 The Yesterday, uh, I was kicking myself and others uh, around just because I was frustrated that we had to go off the air 12 minutes after the Nick Saban news broke. Right, so I'm thinking uh, we're like this is a, a once in a lifetime college football coach, the best that has ever been, uh, is is leaving the sport. Is Bob? Ah, we've got a we've got pregame coverage and it's pregame coverage of Miami and God, they're going to lose by like 17 down there. You know, Ken Palm predicts the, the, they lose by about 17 points or whatever. You know, the, last year Miami destroyed them by like a million uh, when they played up here. I was just really annoyed because like how often does that really happen? And you just don't get a chance with a freaking sports show in a college town to talk about something like that. But a lot of like my anger was because, or my frustration or whatever was just because there isn't like, juice for that game anyway and so i I'll, all of it was just sort of based around the fact that it was like the, if the game was more important i probably wouldn't feel this way or if i thought it was going to be different i probably wouldn't be so frustrated by it Tyler, i didn't think there'd be any way in the world that i'd be coming on today talking about how they went and beat miami at miami and didn't allow miami to score for like the last three and a half minutes of the game and closed out a win that they really controlled down the stretch, the likes of which we've we have not seen a single time since Kenny's been the coach here. Like on a scale of one to ten, how shocked were you by it? Not just them winning, but the that it wasn't something where you feel like Miami just gave the game away. Louisville just beat them. Oh, I, I would I would say I was probably at about a ten, uh, especially coming off of the Pittsburgh game in which you know. You and I have sent the story to you after I did it. Like, I, I was pretty blunt in that one, and I thought it was a lifeless performance at home against Pittsburgh, one that showed every deficiency that you've been concerned about since Kenny took over as the coach. And it was it was like a, a game where, you're, where you come away and you say, oh, man, I, the wheels might not be off yet, but you can hear them, like, kind of just clinging to be there. And then to rebound from that to the best performance that they've had under him period that is stunning to me against a we can all agree miami's a good team i mean they were 11 and 3 coming into last night they went to the final four right with this group right yeah. it, it, it was wild to see that and i i think we'll, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of this game quite a bit today but but the first thing that that really popped out to me when i went back over some numbers and everything and when i was watching the game is you and I have talked about how, you know, basketball is a game of runs. We hate that cliche, right? It, it's played out. It's tired. But since Kenny's been the coach here, there's always been, like, that one run in the game where you're like, yeah, that's the backbreaker. Uh, it's like a, a series of inexplicable turnovers, bad shot selection, no defense, whatever. And there were, like, a few inklings of that in, in that game last night. And yet they kind of just kept punching back. There was a counterpunch. There was an answer to not let it get out of control. And, and that, if you're looking for a tangible sign of progress without going overboard, like, look, nobody's hanging a banner in the KFC Yum Center because they beat Miami in a regular season game 
for their first ACC win of the season. Nobody's doing that. But we're also not going to be the people who come on here and just, you know, pull a note off the calendar. It's this many days until there's a new basketball coach. Right. Right? You're going to cover the team as it is and as it happens. And that's a tangible, positive development, being able to withstand a couple hits and then not only come back, but come back and take advantage down the stretch, as you've alluded to. Yeah, look, they did think – well, look, we've, we've talked about this uh, several times. Like, if they're going to be better, uh, if, they're, if they're going to improve, if Kenny's going to save his job, uh, it's going to be because they played better basketball, different basketball, than we have ever seen them play up to this point. Yep. And last night was different and better basketball than I – certainly than we have seen them play at any point this year. None of the wins even looked – as dialed in, focused. Oh, God. No. None of the wins no. even looked like this. Well, and part of that is is the, the caliber of opponent that they beat in, in those games. Like, you watched them and you were like, wow, this is an objectively bad basketball game to consume at this moment in time. Um, nobody's going to say that about watching you play Miami at Miami. Like, there, there are talented dudes on that roster and let's remember, Louisville's only got seven scholarship guys right now. Well, Corfor's not out there. White's not out there. We all know Trainer and Evans are done for the season. So, so to pull it out with with that going against you as well uh, is impressive. Um, but but the way they played last night, uh, seventeen assists is going to tie a season high. That's you know Kenny has been pretty adamant about the the selflessness that he wants them to play with, uh, and he didn't even start Tyler Johnson last night he started Hersey Miller who I'm not sure if I would have taken that leap like I think we all see Hersey give some effort like that guy should get more minutes I don't know if that necessarily equates to him starting uh but by the end of it Tyler Johnson seemed to receive whatever if there if that was done to send a message to Tyler who clearly I think has a lot of talent but it showed you in various ways that there's some, there's some growing up to do as every freshman does or all of us did when we were that age then he got it because he played pretty well down the stretch for them as well. So uh, th there's a lot of different things that jumped out uh, to me. And, and it's maybe there are things that are pretty basic most of the time when we're, when we're talking about this level of a program, but we haven't seen so much of it over the past two years that you see and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that's, that's good yeah. basketball. Like that's, you know, the, the sequence uh, that everybody's sharing, the, they get the quick bucket, they steal the inbound, get another one. Like when was the last time Louisville did anything like that? Yeah, th there was something about that moment in particular where you get Sky Clark, he scores and then steals the inbound, gives the ball away, and then they get it right back to him in the corner and he just drains that three in the corner. Yeah. And Miami, you could see the players kind of look at each other like, what the hell? some frustration by the other team by what was being done to them by Louisville. And I really could not remember the last time I felt that. And then you looked at the Miami guys and you said, yeah, Hey, I know, I know that look. Yeah. yeah we, we right. usually have that. I know what that, <laughs> I know that exact feeling, buddy. Let me tell you what's going to happen. And then it happened. Um, so now that that's full marks to, to these guys. And uh, look, I was even and all of us have have been critical of Kenny and, and the coaching staff, uh, especially again after after that home loss to Pitt. I thought there, you know, some of the comments afterwards and in terms of the divvying up the the quote unquote blame for some of this or whatever. The only way to properly respond to that is to go out and do what you did last night to be fully engaged on what I, you know, I don't have a sideline cam on Kenny all the time, watching every emotion and piece of body language that he's putting out there into the world. But, you know, Louisville men's basketball puts out the, the video of uh, him saying that, you know, he believes they can win every game. You know, do you believe? And, and that's been his thing since uh, day one. It's a huge part of his pitch and approach. Um, that's really I feel like we do a lot of PR talk about Kenny and that yeah. things could have been ha handled better, things like that. That's a plus. Yeah. That's a yeah. plus. Like, you you want to... Okay, Make that video. Any win is a deposit. Yeah. Of course. Like, we picked on the the stupid out-of-bounds play yeah, right. practice exactly. video. Yes. Like, all right, no need to get chesty about that. Right. But 
that video in response to this game, like, okay, yeah. That's, yeah, no, Do that's, that. no, you yeah. earned that. You absolutely yeah. earned that. Yeah. And there's no question, question about it. Now, the challenge is, um, you couldn't really time a home game better for him and everybody else than Saturday at noon to me. Because now you not only, everybody always wants to see what you're going to do next. And the best opportunity to do that is at home in, in an arena that traditionally people are used to being full, but it hasn't been full. And the reason it hasn't been full is because you guys haven't been doing a good enough job of up holding the tradition and building on it and, and really getting rolling. So now you get a chance in that venue to make another deposit and maybe you see people start to trickle back in. I, I, I'm not, you know, I don't got a pulse of the ticket sales or anything like that. But I think Louisville fans have just been desperate for something to cling on to and to root for. And not something that's fairy tale abstract, something that is tangible, concrete. We know what good basketball looks like. That was good basketball last night. Keep bringing it. We're coming back. That I think it's that simple. This is not, you know, sports like you and I obviously made a career out of it. But sometimes it's just it's just not that damn difficult. It ain't rocket science. Yeah, it is that simple sometimes. It really is. Like, just just put out a good product, look like you care about it, and most people will ride with you. Most. There's always going to be some here or there who don't. But build on that the right way, and, and you you can get something. Now, I, I we're at such a small sample size of those types of performances that it's going to, in my view, not being negative, just calling it how it is, there needs to be a lot more of those to really change the overall evaluation and conversation surrounding this program, surrounding Kenny Payne and his coaching staff. But for now, on January 11th, before we get to Saturday, uh, I do think it is worth exploring the positives of that game, figuring out how what's sustainable, what's not. And if you're looking for true progression, what else really needs to grow to tell you, okay, maybe they are getting something. And that's that's what I hope we can do. All right, let's start with what was your reaction when it was tweeted out, you know, a handful of minutes before the game started that Hersey Miller was going to be in the starting lineup instead of Tyler Johnson? Because for me, and I know that I think Bob said earlier today that it was primarily because Tyler was late to a meeting. Okay. Uh, but it was disciplinary, basically, yeah. right. uh, which, fine. We've been talking about wanting that, uh, too. My first reaction when I saw that was, well, not that, <laughs> it, you know, in that, like, we've been asking for him to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. be more of a disciplinarian and right. so use the bench as the educator, you know, that sort of thing. But not Tyler Johnson, right? Like, we like him, somebody else well, it's who's, who's dogging it. Like, yeah. that's not the one. And I think people did want to see Hersey Miller get rewarded for what looks like the the body language and, and everything of a guy we want to see out there. But then when they put him out there for Tyler, Justin, we're like, oh, I don't, I don't I want not well, like this. But it's funny, though, because he, he recently said the bench wasn't going to be really used as a motivator because they can't afford to do that with with the amount of people that they're missing. Uh, so, no, my reaction was uh, strictly like, uh, what? Why? What is the I, I in my head? I was like, OK, there's got to be something to this. I, I don't have the, the details on it, but hearing that from Bob makes sense uh but i actually looked at another spot in the lineup and i was like i don't know why uh delo is is starting over caleb glenn i don't i don't get it um i get it delo is going back to miami and i don't know if you wanted to give him that little quote-unquote revenge shot or something but like i think we have plenty of uh data over the past couple of games and what we've seen throughout the season to say that Caleb Glenn is going to give you more than Delo is on the court. There are things like Caleb has, and if you didn't get to watch him at, at Mail before he did a year at uh, La, Lumiere, La Lumiere in Indianapolis, I don't, I don't know if that's La Lumiere. I don't know how do you pronounce that. Oh honestly, yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, Caleb's been built like that since he was in high school. I mean, you look at him and you're like, that kid has got a a pro body on him. He's a specimen. He's physical. He plays hard. Um, and you've seen some of the growing pains that come with being a freshman for him and that he'll have, I think he's still, and you know, I'm not with him in practice every day. I'm going to base this off a couple things that I see on the baseline, but 
I don't think he's used to what being open in college is versus what being open in high school is. Like in college, when you get that little sliver on a closeout where someone's like a half second or a second late, that's your shot. You shoot it, period. High school, you could probably get away with, you know, waiting to get a little bit more open of a look. That's not going to happen anymore. Um, nobody questions his athleticism, his physicality down low, those things. But to keep getting better on the outside and be aggressive with a shot, I think is something he needs to grow with. But bottom line, he's bringing you more than D'Lo is right now. So until that changes, I don't quite understand moving with that in in the coming games. Like, give him, you know, I'm sure they're going to get healthier. Well, I actually shouldn't say I'm sure because it seems like those developments have been coming out of the woodwork in, in all kinds of different ways. But um, I'm interested to see what the rotation becomes if Trey and Emmanuel get back into the fold with some of the things we've been seeing. I agree. Uh, that will be pretty interesting. Well, hopefully it'll be, hopefully it'll be interesting, right? Hopefully yeah, it'll be worth paying want. attention yeah. to. But I, the reason I, I wanted to bring up Tyler not being in the starting lineup, Percy being in the starting lineup, is it possible that not necessarily for basketball reasons, because he's not better than Tyler Johnson. No. And I'm not, that's not a shot at him no. to say that. No that maybe some of what we saw last night is attributable to the fact that they just saw somebody get held accountable for something? I think you can – I think it's reasonable. I think it, I think it can – Because they didn't look the same. I think it could be a factor yeah, okay. into it. Okay. I think it could be if, – if we're making a list of things that, you know, finally got these guys going, you know, maybe that is something. And sometimes it's a little thing. You know, maybe too often in sports we look for uh, – what is the one big thing that changed this team's for? You know, most of the time, it doesn't really work like that. It, it's kind of like uh, a buildup of all of these little things. And, and sometimes, and I think Eric Crawford, as he often does, wrote about this beautifully. Uh, Mike Rutherford wrote about this very well uh, earlier in the year. The, the concept of rock bottom and what does that look like and what do you do when you hit rock bottom? Uh, I'll go back to this. Have there been worse games from a score perspective than Louisville losing to Pitt at home. Yes. Sure. There have been. But if you were there and if you watched and if you listened, that felt like rock bottom. It really did. Yeah. So the feel of it. Yes. Yeah. Like the arena, the the way the game went, the the yeah. way Pitt was scoring, like all of these different things. Uh but the true test of you is going to be like, what do you do? Does the bottom fall out? Or do you take every little step up the ladder it takes to get back to some respectability? Again, being as clear as possible, there's still a long way to go up that ladder. Long way to go. But all any fan wants is to see you fighting your ass off to go step by step. That's all they want nine times out of ten. They did that last night, and they earned a win. Like You remember, you remember the WKU game last year where they hit a bajillion threes oh, sure. and right. things like that? Um, and I think you and I, I, I might've been on the next day we were talking about like what, what is sustainable. And, and that's, you know, ultimately that was not sustainable. Like they did not go bonkers from three again for, for the rest of the year. Um, last night, I think there are things within that game that they were doing that you could say, I, I, I like that. Like the recipe, uh, you know, maybe get a little dash of this in there, throw, throw it in. You know, it's like when you cook, you don't always get everything right on the exact first try. Sure. You need a few tries, right? Same sort of concept. Uh, is Mike James going to score, like, go absolutely NBA jam? He's on fire to start every game? No, he's not. But Mike James looks pretty damn good the past couple games as a scorer. Like, the effort's been there. That's never been in question. But they kind of need him to be able to hit corner threes consistently and hit wing threes consistently and attack the lane the way he does. Um, so that's a great development. Curtis Williams has always had, I think he's got the smoothest shot on the team in terms of pure jump shooting for him. I love watching that kid shoot. I think he's figuring out a few things. I think he had five assists last night, and he was running point a lot uh, before they got Tyler Johnson into the fold in the summer, so he got some of that experience. Um, these are tangible things. They're like, all right, you know, let's let's see how that looks next game. Now I'm intrigued to see that. Instead of dreading whatever's going to go wrong, you're like, oh, I kind of like that. Let's see if that holds up. We got a ton uh, that we will get into here throughout the show. Uh, both on this basketball win, uh, the rest of this basketball season, 
uh, and what it means and, and, and what it doesn't mean, uh, or at least what we what would not be accurate or, or responsible to say that it means at this point uh, throughout the show here. And, of course, we've got to talk about the fallout uh, from the two most successful football coaches ever. Oh, retire- and Pete Carroll, too. Re- <laughs> retiring <laughs> within 24 hours of each other. It's and insane. I, yeah. I did enjoy somebody uh, tweeting early, uh, yesterday. I, I forget who I, I would give them the credit for it. Uh, oh, it was Matt Brown uh, that, that tweeted that uh, a 1980, just like a little snippet from a newspaper in 1980, where West Virginia's secondary coach, it was announced as going to Ohio State uh, to be the secondary coach there and jur- join Earl Bruce's staff. And it's Nick Saban leaving West Virginia to go join Ohio State staff yeah. under Earl Bruce. And he's going there because their current defensive backs coach, Pete Carroll, was going to Cleveland, I think it was, was going to the NFL. Or maybe it was the Jets, one or the other. But it's that was 40 years ago. Yeah, the, the coaching world is is insane, man. I mean, the amount of... You almost don't think about them as like starting somewhere. No, no. I mean, all you got to do is usually every coach at every school has like a a file portion of the bio where you can literally see everywhere they've worked. Buddy, many of those are not short. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, they're typically extremely long. And uh, I thought I moved a lot to do this job. And then I look at that and I'm like, whoa, okay. I don't think I'm good on that. I don't think I need that, but no, it's, it's insane to, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to a break, but those three coaches, arguably accounted for the three most dominant periods of football that I can remember watching at USC, the Legion of Boom defense, Alabama's, you know, basically running college football for almost all of Saban's tenure. And then Bill Belichick just, you know, doing his job, as he would say, to become the greatest coach in NFL history. I mean, it was, you know, and I hated the Patriots as a Ravens fan. There were many games that I remember. Um, but you can't take it away from Bill. He's, he's the best to ever do it. Do you want to talk uh, some NFL playoffs uh, this weekend or that are coming up this weekend with you uh, as well, including uh, the fact that the Dolphins have to go to Kansas City now Ugh. in what might be what some are the some headlines uh, suggesting might be the coldest game in NFL history or one of. Uh, some of the projections. Good luck with that. Yeah, you know, then you got to get the deep voice. The frozen like, tundra. Yeah, all that. Except it's an Arrowhead, which is a little different than Lambeau, but still a historic building. And cold. Okay. Yes, I, I've been in some cold games in Arrowhead. It, it does get cold. Not probably not Lambeau level cold, but it still cold. They're calling it Arctic temperatures and wind chills possibly negative thirty. Wind chills I for the wanna, Dolphins. I don't even want to hear Mike McDaniel talking about the game if he's mic'd up during it. I just want to hear how many times he talks about it being that cold. Which I, I love that guy. He is delightful. I, I have not watched all of Hard Knocks, but I watched the episode where they played the Ravens because I'm a sick man and sure. I just wanted to see how... Oh, every Louisville fan... So the year that Lamar won the Heisman, Florida State had a... Amazon crew with them oh. for a weekly documentary, and every Louisville fan yeah. watched that episode. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, it's I, I watched it, and I actually came away from it, and I said, you know, if these guys beat Buffalo, I'm really not like I I like the way he talks to those guys. Me too. I like the, the phrasing. It's like a very positive framework in the way he works with those guys. That's very honest. That's very candid. Uh, there's a little nerdiness to it, which I like. Like you know, oh, sure. I, I love that because I'm a nerd. So I he's not a meathead, correct? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't like their chances in, in that game. I will say that I, you know, if it was in Miami, I might feel a little differently. I don't think Kansas City has had a very good year, but their defense is fantastic. And if you're teeing up a game where Tyreek's banged up, Waddle might not play, Mostert might not play. Oh, and by the way, it's going to be deathly cold, and you're from Miami. Probably not going to go well. Probably not. I, I, don't know. I can't stop laughing at the sight of people bringing boxes of oatmeal cream pies and Cokes oh to the Nick Saban statue. He's, he's not dead. He didn't die. Like, I was so confused by that when I was seeing it. Um, what are they going to do? Have you ever been? Have you does? ever been to Bryant Denny? No, okay. no, it's on so my where list. Where that statue is is Alabama has a 
uh, statue of every coach that's won a national championship. And it's like a walk of champion style thing going right into the stadium. Uh, so, you know, everybody's got one. And, and the thought of people just walking up and down that with those items you mentioned is a striking and hilarious image to me at the same time. Like, um, even Nick, like, probably sits back and goes, guys, like, I'm still here. You know, like, this is probably, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. But, like, take them. I'll be okay. It's, a, it's all good. This was my call. And if I want to, I can get back into it quite literally anywhere I want. Maybe not the NFL, but I, I you know, do you see that happening at all? I don't see him. I think he's done. Like I, I coaching. I think he is done coaching. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I do not think yeah, he's he, uh, he's one of those. Uh, he's not it, like Urban Meyer. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. whole thing uh, some more here. But uh, uh, no, I, I think he's done coaching because I think he's one of those guys that's I'm going to do this perfectly. And yep. the mint, I'm not going to do it at 80%. I'm not going to do the yep. Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden, yep. you know, are these headphones even on, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, I, I'm going to do it until I can do it exactly the way I do it now. And the minute I'm not capable of that, I'm out. Yeah. And I think he's got a lot more charisma than we ever really got to see. Oh, 100%. And if the, yes, we'll talk about some of the plans that have been uh, at least reported uh, about him in the future here uh, a little bit later on because i kind of like it so we'll talk about all of that here but we'll take a quick break here and come back there were some individual elements of this win for louisville last night that i want to talk about as well here on the other side we do have elliot mattingly and just a heads up to everybody we don't have uh, fat jack this week he is uh in transit so no fat jack uh, for this week so lots of time for you all to jump in here starting on the next segment here on the drive on i found the bill right back where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Listening to the drive presented by Fitness Market right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever here on a Thursday, a victory Thursday, following a Louisville win over Miami. Uh, I think we both agreed, Tyler, the best win of Kenny's uh, time here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's a, a significantly better team than the the bubble team that that Louisville really finished off from Clemson last year uh, and, and anyone this year. Uh, oh, yeah. Without question. No uh, so there's just nothing. There's no way to delegitimize this. Is it possible to make too much of this? Of course. It's always possible to make too much or too little of, of any individual outcome. And if you listened to 30 whole minutes of uh, us talking here to start the show, the one thing you did not hear was us extrapolate from this to any kind of future about Kenny or Louisville basketball at all. And I wanted to, to overall give most of you who are listening, most of you, some credit that I really didn't see the brigade like running out to make sure nobody was too happy about this because of what it might mean for Kenny's future. Well, I mean, I booked final four tickets last night, so <laughs> I, I don't know what anybody's talking about. <laughs> I applied for the credentials. Like we're, we're okay, good. You want to know what's sad? I don't know where the final four <laughs> is this year. I actually don't. Either. Okay. But, and I, that, that's something <laughs> I, I really would know. should know that. I feel so dumb. I agree. It's something I, just I don't should know. know. It's fine. Uh, but it, it had not occurred to me up to this point to, but you, there was, there were a couple of people, in the, in my mentions and and I, I think I've seen a few in the text line, but not very many. It seems like there's this wasn't so good that it it 
accomplishes anything other than winning the one game. But let's let's just try to right size this. Don't make it more than it is, and don't make it less than it is. Yeah. And it, to the folks who are worried that like that that this is somehow going to result in in Kenny getting a third year or or beyond, that's impossible. Not that he could get one. But that this game, or the, or even more, that you just letting your grinchy little heart be happy yeah. for one night that they won a game is not going to be like Josh was like. Josh gets on Twitter, he's like, everybody looks happy. Let's just keep doing this. <laughs> like that. That's not gonna. Ha- you can just be happy for one okay. night. Yeah, I, I, I feel I find myself saying this often. Like, life's hard, guys. Just, just enjoy it. Sometimes yeah. it's all right. Let let us come in and do the and break it down and look at some things that need to get better or you know well, things like that and that's not me saying you guys watch and don't see those things and can point them out but just as a fan you can allow yourself especially after the recent turmoil in Louisville basketball to enjoy a good performance and like I said in the first segment there were periods where I'm like oh man this is like when Matt Cleveland started getting those fast break dunks and such i'm like oh baby this might be over like yeah, there this, was, this well, is miami looking had like a 54 45 lead in the second half i'm glad you asked that right i i dug into that second okay a little let's bit. go all right so there's two portions of this game that to me any other game i've watched louisville basketball under kenny payne i would have been like yeah this is probably over at the 111 mark of the first half we're going to get to the one you talked about too Miami went up by eight, 41 to 33. Yeah. UofL cut that down decently quickly to four by halftime. Okay. So when you look at that, you're saying, all right, I mean, big deal. They cut it from eight to four. It's not that big of a deal. What it shows somebody like me in that case is that when you get to eight, I think you're teetering a little bit between the, it's about obviously to become a double digit game. Or a, a dumb foul, a dumb turnover just adds on, and all of a sudden it gets away from you. But just being able to land like a quick jab or a nice little hook, a little one-two combo or something, just to get within two possessions going into halftime, you're going to feel better as a whole instead of letting it, you know, the pick game at, at home. I'm talking about it a lot because it's just the frame of reference. But like right before halftime, you could tell. The back end of that half, things got out of control, and they weren't the punches weren't landing. That sometimes they weren't even being thrown, and it got out of control. So that's one. But the big one you're talking about from 1544 to 957 in the second half, Louisville outscored Miami 14 to six. Within that stretch, Miami had three separate leads of eight points, nine points, and nine points, and by the end of it. Louisville was tied up with them at 57 at the 957 mark. That right there is some progress. That is a good stretch to look at and say, you ate a few punches, you gave them right back, and eventually you landed enough to take control of the fight. That's that's how you win yep. games. Point blank, period. We could go back and, 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 and let's let's be clear. This is not rocket science. This is not breaking news. Everybody has watched basketball for a long period of time, and we can spot the back-breaking runs and the ones that you can't let get out of control. To me, that's been as big of a problem under Kenny as anywhere else is that the avalanche starts and it doesn't stop. Yep. you got to be able to stop it. And easy things start avalanches. Right, like very correctable things where you're just like, oh, my goodness, just come on. That's a simple thing to correct. Um, And to their credit, last night – that stretch to me was like, okay, that's something you can work with. Like if they're going over film and, and breaking down what you like, what you don't like, I would think that segment wins you the game. I thought there, it actually occurred to me in watching the end of the game that there were, when, my, when Miami showed visible frustration a couple of times. Laird Eagle looked pissed all night, honestly. <laughs> that, well, it 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 occurred to me in seeing it that I was not seeing it from the Louisville guys 
for once. L- yeah, right. like we typically do. There was never any hands over the you know, up in the air. There was ne- I didn't see anyone talking to a referee. Yeah. At any point, which for me is like a deal breaker. Like I, I don't want to see the like that to me. Complaining to a referee, one, it's a coach's job. Two, it's a luxury. Right. It's what you do when you've nailed down every other thing that you can control because you cannot control that. Right. And I've always felt like teams that are quick to complain about or to the officials just have a, an orientation of the blame being out there. All, and I think that Kenny has had that at times. Yeah. And so for it's to me, it's reflective of what I think they pick up. But there was none of that last night. And just to ne- to not fold in either one of those. And we had a texture of the situations you went through. And then we had a texture who asked earlier, how worried were you when Louisville got the 10 second violation? Oh, I thought that we was just yeah, casually, that's a major moment. Yeah. I think every Louisville fan has had been trained or has been trained by events up to this point to be like, okay, this is the one now. I'm still not even clear. Was that really a 10 second violation? It was or not? debatable. Yeah, I think, like the clock the management clock of it. Reset, I, right? I don't know. I didn't know what was going on there, but to, to even put yourself in that position, you were like, oh my goodness, you can, this is that killer mistake or whatever. And to, to bounce back from it was big. Now, some of the things that I saw in those runs that could have let this game get out of hand or get out, uh, get out of control, their transition defense has got to be better. Um, they got to stop the ball more. Like Seth Greenberg said it ad nauseum last night. Oh, yeah. But the, he was right. Yeah. Uh, there were, uh, very quickly. Yeah. Seth Greenberg tried to coach the team the entire second half. <laughs> and I enjoyed it because I think sometimes former coaches who are in that color seat are, are offended by Louisville. Oh, by yeah. By how bad yeah, they are and how, how poorly coached they've been. You think Jay Williams is listening or no? Right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> always. Uh, Corey Alexander, probably not so much. Uh, <laughs> but, like, the former coaches, I think, often look at Louisville play and are like, this, is, this isn't this is kind to basketball. <laughs> this is an affront to the game yeah. I spent so many years. I think that's why Bob sometimes, uh, uh, you, you can just hear him. He's like, this isn't even fair to us, basketball people, oh, yeah. much less Louisville people. Yeah. So I thought last night Seth Greenberg noticed something that I noticed and was very, very encouraging to me. And it was that I think you could watch the game and work backwards to the game plan for maybe the first time since Kenny's been here. I, I, I watch I, him play. I can't pick another one. I'll tell you that right now. And I could go back and be like, I bet you that I could tell you what sort of the keys were here. And I thought their determination to get the ball to Brennan Hunley Hatfield every time and to just watch them be patient in a half-court offense until he got the matchup he wanted and he was where he wanted and they got him the ball and then everything was off of that. It's the first time I felt like they forced anything to happen. They forced somebody to play the game they wanted to play. Yes, and then I thought that they, and I tweeted it at the time, but I think, Tyler, they kind of ran Virginia's pack line for a while. And, and like they were going to determine, they were determined to get the ball to Hunley Hatfield and he delivered there. And every single time Norm Chadomir got the ball, they quickly doubled him and made him get rid of it. Yeah. And it was like, where has this been? That's a good wrinkle. You know what that is? Coaching. It's just coaching. So it's, it's not magic. It's not, it's not this. They weren't giving out Michael Jordan's secret stuff at halftime or anything. Well, maybe they were. I don't know. I can't confirm or deny. But... That, that's the thing that I think has killed me through covering some of this over the past. It's just like when you're watching and you see the things that are just so easily correctable, that make a difference. Yeah. And those little things can add up to a few wins that you really could use right now. Well, even be, and, and I think actually that ties into the larger problem is that. Imagine how different the context is of of this conversation that we're having about this game. The fact that we have to constantly provide these caveats and qualifiers and all of these things for a good performance. Um, Just imagine how different that is if you could apply any of the the principles that were on display last night consistently 
to show that you got enough in the bank for people to run with the trust in you to keep doing this thing. And, and that's part of the problem. Um, but they're just they're such small things that end up paying off big dividends. All right. This time of the week, we always talk with our guy, Elliot Mattingly from Court Physical Therapy. Elliot, good to talk to you as always, buddy. You doing all right? Doing well. And I'll tell you, like when I hear your show talk about, you know, things from Space Jam and uh, like, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm calling in the right spot. Like, I just feel at home when we get to talk about, you know, so I appreciate that. It actually reminded me of a quick story. Like, because, you know, I think of like, that's a, that's a little bit of a PED, you know. Um, and and <laughs> I, it, takes me, it takes me back to my, my dad coached me back when I was like third or fourth grade. And he used to have this tackle box and he called them power pills. And he would give us Snickers and Reese cups, but right before tip off to sugar us up. Yes. So I'm like, man, that's that's kind of a secret sauce, right? And maybe Kenny Payne just keeps giving him some Reese's at halftime and gets them all jacked up. There you go. Get them all hyped up on on sugar. Yeah. Right. Elliot, right. let's uh, talk. We get the NFL playoffs uh, this weekend, uh, and the relative health of a team come the end of the season is is an, an enormous factor uh, in playoff success. Uh, for for just about anybody, but especially the Dolphins, who have built mm-hmm. this insanely fast, wild kind of a team, but then all of the horses now kind of injured. Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, Tyreek Hill, all three of them uh, injured in different ways, slowed down at least a, a a little bit. And I wanted to talk to you about like we've joked about toward all and all the things that you can do that are somewhat unseemly, perhaps. But you mm-hmm. do them to get a guy able to just get through a game. And so I wanted to sort of just talk through uh, some of these guys, starting with, with Tyreek Hill, who's just such a difference maker with them. The sorts of things that, that training staffs and that sort of thing can do for somebody in his situation that he can at least kind of safely give it a chance to play knowing this is, it's win or go home, that they have, he has to be out there. You know, the – like this is the hard thing about what we do in in our roles as PTs and athletic trainers is, you know, we, we're we're constantly having to fight three different phases of recovery within like a short period of time. You know, so our our first job when somebody comes to see us or an athlete gets hurt is we got to help decrease their pain. You know, so that's what you know it depends on how much pain they're in. Like that's the first thing you do because if you can't control their symptoms, then like they're going to go out there like they're not going to be playing at 100 percent because that pain's always going to be present now we can do a lot in a week to help decrease somebody's pain but the next thing we have to do is like we have to start making them resilient or control and and being able to do a lot of these different things um to to really keep that pain from coming back and that's where the struggle happens because that a lot of times uh it takes you know it takes time it takes time and effort in order for that to heal and so that that's where you, you find yourself kind of grasping for straws when it comes week by week in playoffs and you know, it's really unfortunate because, they, you know, they've had a fun year. Um, you know, just like, everybody's loving the coach and, and just watching their style of play. It's been exciting. But, man, they've kind of stumbled because of these injuries. And especially because, like you said, they're an explosive, fast team. Well, a lot of the things that they have injuries with, you know, Tyree killing his quad and then, you know, ankle, high ankle sprains for others. And it's just tricky because those are all high-velocity um like difference makers, you know, you need to be able to cut quick with a you know high ankle sprain. That's painful and uncomfortable. You need to be able to accelerate fast with your quad, and that's difficult to do. So it's really up in the air, like of what level of injury these guys had. But these these trainers and PTs are just working like crazy just to try to get their pain back to normal while they're not exercising. That's step one. All right, I'll ask you for something maybe a little bit more general uh, in this discussion. Okay. Uh, for you know we hear things like no pain no gain and you play through it play with pain you know all those things and there's an element of truth to that you sometimes doing it it's going to hurt sometimes you might have to just sort of push through something that hurts but there are times where doing that is extremely dangerous for mm-hmm. generally speaking just even for non-athletes what's a good or as best of a, a kind of a, a rule you can come up with for like, when is this pain good and when is this pain bad? You know, that, and that's, that's situational because it's really hard. Because like if I'm, if I'm in these guys' situation and I have a, a quad injury, yes, that is, it's probably going to hurt while I'm out there running and playing. And, and there's, of course, there's some kind of risk. When your body's not at 100%, when you're playing against behemoths that are running, you know, four fours and they weigh, you know, 280, like 
things could happen, and you're going to be more at risk. But also, the reward of going to play and maybe moving on to the next round is there, and that's why you see so many young athletes who have just chronic, uh, chronic pain and chronic issues because they they put the risk of that injury, um, you know, b- behind the reward. So I know that that's you know not a, a great answer for your question because there's no clean answer. Now there are some injuries that are more risky. You know, like this is if you know somebody coming back and they're six months out from an ACL tear and they're like, well now I'm going to try to play the playoffs. Well, the risk of that is much higher. Or if I've had a concussion last week and I'm going to try to come back this week, um, that that risk is higher. Somebody you know with these injuries, high ankle sprain, it's going to hurt. But you know your risk of doing a lot more is probably not there. Uh, it's just not going to feel great. So that's one you probably try to control and tough out. You know, it's, that's, that's the good news for the Dolphins is all the injuries they do have, they can try to try to just go for it and push through, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, me personally, uh, it, I cannot imagine uh, playing NFL professional football uh, basically in an industrial freezer. Uh, but there's oh there's God. a real chance that that a, a couple of these games this weekend are going to be either in cold, the likes of which we've seen very few times, or or just buckets of snow. Uh, it's entirely yeah. possible. So let's start with Miami Dolphins players are going to be in Kansas City in possibly <laughs> what negative fifteen degree wind chills and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, buddy. Uh, let's start with first. Uh, is it really feasible that people can handle the, the sorts of temperature changes and, and really perform at the same level? Yeah, or? if you're not a freaking wuss. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Can they rub enough dirt on it to play through that? Who's the first there. player that's going to get video uh, recorded being shirtless trying to prove a point in warm-ups? That's the, yeah, there needs to be a prop bet. Yeah. Anyway, I'm here to throw things uh, off track. Back to Mark's question. Uh, you know... Um, it is it, it's, honestly. It, it sounds terrible. You know, here they are. They're sending out weather reports to their their community, saying it's going to be cold. Stay inside, unless you're going to the Chiefs game. Then have a good time. You know, it sounds <laughs> like if they're doing that for the fans, like what a joke. But you know, I think that's awesome. Actually, you know, as as a as a sports fan, like turn off my medical side. As a sports fan, like like when you got to play football when it was cold, that means you were doing something right you know, around in Kentucky. So um, for the Dolphins to get a play in the snow, they're doing something better than they have in the last, you know, few years. So uh, that's, that's an excellent opportunity. Yeah, cause, and there are, and the technology they have to keep you warm, you know, between those big jackets, the heaters on the sideline, they probably have like thermal clothing. You know, there are stuff they're going to like, they're going to be able to keep their core temperatures safe, but everything's going to hurt a little bit more out there when you get hit. Like, that ground is going to be solid. Uh, it's not going to feel good. Yeah, what's the risk there? I was kind of wondering about that uh, as well. You're, you're going to be playing on uh, uh, concrete. Like, you're, you're frozen yeah. ground. Uh, where, where do you feel like maybe the biggest risk is there? Is it in uh, losing footing or what tackling, being tackled is going to feel like? Where, where would you perhaps be most concerned about playing on frozen tundra um you know I, I definitely think like slipping and things like that are gonna gonna happen um you know if, if the ground is wet and you're playing on turf that makes me a little bit scared that you're gonna lose your footing and you know that could be more like ligamentous injuries or you know like acl and stuff like that but uh, you know usually the ground has a little give to it uh and when you got a, a big de- defensive lineman on you and they're just like driving you straight to the ground, and that ground has zero give. Uh, it's, you're going to feel that just a touch more. That's for sure. All right, Elliot. If folks want to find out what you can, oh, I think I'll, did I lose you. We might be having technical difficulties on Mark's end. Uh, oh, okay, okay. there you are. <laughs> yeah, one eight hundred six four five four. Yeah, check us out at court.com. Hopefully you guys enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Elliot. Thank you so much, buddy. Well, I don't know what happened there. We lost One him for might a second. say he froze up. Oh, man. I can't believe I... I think it was on your guys' end. Yeah, right behind me there. It, but, you know, that's technology for us here. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
it happens. Uh, I've got Spencer digging up a my favorite quote about football in the cold, which is oh, Michael it's, Irvin. Oh, it's Michael Irvin. Yeah, yeah. We got no, we have to get that audio ASAP. We, when we was playing in that cold, it was cold. When we were playing them cold weather games. It was cold. It was cold. I mean, that's that's it's, like top five all time. It's fantastic. That guy is certifiably insane. Oh sure. Watching him on television at times, I am like, I don't know what's going on here, but. I'm entertained by it. Yeah, there was there, there was a player this week that asked him about it. Uh, the, Ezekiel Elliott oh. was asked about. He's like uh, the quote was after the game said, "When I was younger, I always wanted to play in a game in the snow. Then I play in a game in the snow, and I was like, that kind of sucked." <laughs> <laughs> Reaping, which yeah, I think it would too. <laughs> That is the level of odyssey I'm here for in, in sports. Uh, I, I love the spelling. Like, yeah, is is there a visual beauty of football in the snow? Yes, there is. When Lambeau is looking sub-zero in, in the playoffs and it's just an absolute dogfight of a game, yeah, it's great. It's pretty damn good. If you're watching it at home on TV. Oh, you could never, ever convince me to go sit in that. In that. For hours. Never. Four or five, at mm-hmm. least. Tailgate, maybe. I Baltimore, I, I grew up going to some cold games, but not, not that level of cold. Um, I've been to games where the worst combination was like cold and rain at the same time. That's miserable. Completely miserable. Um, but still, the... The, uh, the beauty of it is not the practicality of it for the players. And playing in the cold, no thanks. I'm good on that. I, I, I enjoy the variety of like seeing it look different and that sort of thing. But I really don't care to have weather dramatically like impact the play of the game. Well, no, especially nowadays, too. I don't where, romanticize that. I mean, the... The way to digest games now and what happened and everything, it's just so easy to to cling on to something as the reason you lost and go crazy about it on, on social media. And the weather one is always like, I mean, guys, this is football. You grew up playing in every climate imaginable most of the time. Like, let's just not have this discussion about this. But uh, I think I just saw that Pittsburgh and Buffalo, there is a small chance they might have to move that game to, to Cleveland. So Jonathan Jones said he doesn't think that that's, that's the case, but yeah, the fact that it's even being brought up like, is it's illustrative of like how bad this is. We've seen Buffalo. Oh, yeah. Buffalo almost uniquely. Get... I, that's why I can't believe they're not going to build a dome. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I can't really... I mean, I do understand it because... That's exactly what I'm thinking of when I say I don't romanticize this sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Well, Bills fans, like they, they take a, a sense of pride I know. in it. And, and you know what? Again, as I said earlier, something about you know life being hard and you got to find the joy in things, man. Buffalo, different breed of fans. And I'll also say, I think I've I've definitely tweeted this. Out of any opposing NFL fan base I have met people from, Bills fans have been among the nicest, like the coolest people. Uh, they they just have a good time. Uh, I've never found them to be like insulting or anything like that, or like needlessly trying to poke you or something like. They're they're good. That's a good group. Take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll continue on uh, about Louisville and its win last night and what it means and doesn't mean, uh, as well as the college football-wide implications uh, of Nick Saban uh, being gone, what that might mean, and sort of the, in, the downstream impacts of whatever this coaching search is going to look like. Talk about all of that. Take your calls, your texts throughout. On the drive when I thumb the bill. Be right back. 